everybody. This is Retta and Michelle in post-production. We ended up going a little bit deeper into the topic of depression and mental health than we realized we would. And so we just want to kind of give a trigger warning for everybody. If this is something that you're struggling with, this, yeah, we go pretty in-depth with depression, mental health issues. So just be aware of that going into this. All right. Don't forget that there is in the United States a national helpline that you can call. Um, You can call or text 988. You can also call 1-800-662-HELP. That number is 1-800-662-4357. If you or anyone you know needs help, don't be afraid to reach out. We care about you. We love you. And we want everyone to take care of themselves. everyone welcome back to the Gryffindor common room i'm your host retta and i'm your host michelle and today we're going to be talking about mental health in the harry potter series uh particularly we're going to be talking about like patronuses versus dementors depression that that particular area of mental health i think it's gonna be a really great episode yeah um it's definitely a topic that was skirted around in the Harry Potter universe, um, yeah, they they deal with a little bit of it, but it's more of a lighthearted approach. Mm-hmm. So, all right, well, welcome everyone. Uh, welcome to our series where we do deep dives into the Harry Potter universe. Uh, sometimes we talk about characters. Sometimes we talk about issues such as this. So, grab a cup of butter beer. Hop into the common room with us, sit by the fire, and let's get going. Yeah. Uh, Before we get too far into the show, please don't forget to like, rate, and follow us wherever you're listening. Uh, That helps new listeners find the show, which helps us grow. All right. Spoiler alert. We will be discussing the entire series when we talk about anything that requires a deep dive. Well... Okay, let, let's be 100% honest here. There are spoilers in every episode. and We may or may not be able to call them out. We've, we've tried and we just get wrapped up. And so this is your one warning. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so on to our main discussion. Um, talking about a, a Patronus. So would the plural of that be Patronuses or Patroni? Um, versus Dementors. Dementors? <laughs> Dementors. Uh, is it a Patronus? <laughs> Patronus? Or Patroni? I, I'm not sure which one sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, multiple, yeah. multiple Hepeta, if I can speak. Multiple Patronus? Is... I'm going to Google it. Plural of Patronus. Patroni. It is Patroni. Oh, wow. Maybe? Maybe? Okay, well, Google is giving me multiple different answers. So let's just say Patroni because it's fun. Okay, I, I like Patroni. And we're not trusting Google at this point. We've already had this day <laughs> on why I don't trust Google. That and, and Google has been, look, Google's the one that told me to get off the highway the other day and get back on the highway within two blocks of each other. So helpful. <laughs> So Google's got issues. Yeah. All right. So what is a Patronus? Ready, Patronus is a magical charm that is used usually for protection against a Dementor, but can be used in other situations as well. And it is, you know, the, the incantation for it is Expecto Patronum, which translates to I await a guardian. And it is basically you take a strong, powerful, happy memory and use that as your protection against the power of a Dementor or whatever else is attacking you. Right. So the technical definition, and I like how Retta phrased it better than this, is the Patronus charm introduced in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is a defensive spell which produces a silver animal guardian used to protect a witch or wizard against Dementors. But I think, like Retta said, it's got more uses than just that. Well, and it's key that you have to be able to think of a powerful, happy memory to be able to create a proper, effective Patronus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's very, very difficult um in fact when they you know are doing dumbledore's army and they're trying to cast it it takes a lot of work a lot of grown witches and wizards cannot cast it themselves and some people never gain that ability yep and it's even harder when you're actually face to face with a dementor or whatever other danger Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. So the fact that Harry masters it at age 13 is quite impressive. Yes. Um, also, don't forget, we do see um, it carrying a message at one point for Kingsley. Right. Deathly Hollows. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you can use it to, to relay a message, um, which is nice. But again, you've got to be able to conjure that memory right when you need it because Kingsley couldn't have waited two more seconds Mm-mm. that memory in the face of everything he was going through with the ministry has fallen <laughs> you, that happens and you have to create a, a, a come up with a happy memory you've got to have that memory locked inside your head yeah now Rudd and I were discussing it's interesting that Snape could conjure a Patronus but Hermione had a very hard time with it yeah 
Yeah, you had a really good theory about this. I'm going to let you explain what you were telling me the other night. Okay, so let's look at Snape, first and foremost. We've got someone who's lived a very horrible, horrible life. Uh, He's lived at the hands of two masters. He's been tortured quite a few times. He's had to do torturing to others. So why can he have this fully corporeal Patronus and Hermione can't? My theory on this is he had a core happy memory to cling to. Now, with Hermione, who has lived a very, for the most part, happy life. She's got two best friends. Uh, now, now, granted, in their first year, she was not close to either one. But she's got two best friends. She's got loving parents. She came from a very stable, happy home. Sounds like she should be able to conjure a Patronus in two seconds flat. But when you're filled with so many happy, good memories, and remember, the memory you use has to be a very strong, happy memory. Um, Harry first tries um, using, uh, thinking about his first time riding a broom. It was not enough. But thinking of his parents is. So let's look at Hermione. She doesn't know which happy memory to choose. She's got all these happy memories, but nothing sticks out in her head as that's the happiest I've ever been. Because when you have so many happy memories, what do you pick? And is it strong enough? And I think that kind of ties into the fact that, like, the when everything is all good all the time you don't appreciate it as much whereas the bad times make us appreciate the good times that much more Mm -hmm. yes so you know we're a snape who um uh you know doesn't have very happy ones endured a lot of pain in his lifetime right But he's able to focus on one memory that made him the happiest ever. And then, of course, your Patronus. Takes a very special. Meaning. So, you know, for for Snape, it was a doe in memory of Lily. Uh, for Hermione, it's an otter. It's a very clever animal. Um, and they're featured in a lot of English literature classics, which symbolizes, in my opinion, knowledge. Mm-hmm. So an otter, yeah, mm-hmm. it fits her. It fits her. You know, then you look at Ron's. His is a Jack Russell Terrier. Mm-hmm. Very playful, but also very loyal. Which Jack Russell Terriers are also known to go after otters. <laughs> Which is funny when you consider the two of them. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can you imagine both of them casting that charm at once and <laughs> at the same time? And his <laughs> Jack Russell Terry is like, I know I'm supposed to do a job, but there's an otter. I want the otter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Emma actually made a sculpture that was like Ron and Hermione at their wedding casting their Patronuses together, Patroni together. Oh, that's got to be cute. Yeah, it was adorable. I put it on our Instagram story a couple months ago. Oh, I do remember that. Yes, I do remember that. Well, you know, you've got to think that that means that uh, <laughs> Hermione's otter was probably trying to splash Ron's terrier. Mm-hmm. No water around, but it's going to try. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, let's look at who can cast a Patronus. Outside of Dumbledore's army, Tonks can. Yep. Um, Lupin can. McGonagall can. She can cast three at once. Huh? Yeah, McGonagall, she, there's, cannot remember what book it was. I want to say it might have been Deathly Hollows, but she's, like, getting ready to go out, and in one of the books, she, like, casts the Patronus charm, and three cats emerge from the tip of her wand. Mm. Okay. Okay. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. But, again, very, I've often wondered what her happy memory is. Is it of her husband? Yeah. We will get into a deep dive on uh, Minerva McGonagall at another time. But, you know, Harry even says, you know, think of your happiest memory. It's got to be a powerful one. It can't just be that time you went to the park. Yeah. It has to mean something. It has to really pull at you. Yeah, and something that's not just like a fleeting momentary happiness, but has that significance. Right, and it doesn't even have to be, you know, something that took a long time to happen. It's not like, you know, you're thinking back to, I don't know, maybe your entire, if you're using a wedding memory, for example, you're not using your entire wedding. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. the moments where you said I do or the husband and wife, your, your first kiss, or maybe you're thinking about, you know, the day you graduated college, maybe you've got learning disabilities and you're using that memory. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about your entire college career. You're thinking of that moment that diploma got handed to you. Yeah. It's, it can be a very small moment. But it has to be a powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why it was so hard on Hermione. She had so many good ones. But what was the best? Yeah. Well, and she just, generally speaking, was not great at always working through and dealing with her emotions. And so I think that's part of why she struggled with it, too. And, like, I don't know. There's something about dealing with something that you're familiar with versus unfamiliar with. And so if you already deal with depression just in in your own mind, your own mental illness, 
then the feelings that you get when Dementors come near you are going to be a lot more familiar. It's going to be easier for you to fight against that because you're used to having to fight those dark emotions. Whereas if you've never dealt with depression before, it's completely new. It's going to be a lot more overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And let's do a little rewind here because that's something you and I talked about was Hermione and dealing with her emotions. You know, Hermione's an only child. Mm-hmm. Now, you are not. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I like how you laugh. <laughs> like, no, definitely not. Um, and I was for a very long time until I had step-siblings come into my life. And I'm not close to them. Uh, their choice, not mine. Kind of mine. Long story, not getting into it, too much personal info. Um, but still, you know, even if I had been close to them, we grew up in different houses. You know, yeah. so I only had the sibling interaction sporadically. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult. And I kind of relate this to to Hermione because for a long time, Ron and Harry were like her brothers. Now, she and Ron, yes, end up with romantic feelings at some point, but these are her two best friends. Um, And it's different living with someone every day and growing up living with someone every day. From the minute you're born, you're not alone. Yep. To suddenly it being foisted upon you. And these emotions that you are used to just shutting off in your head, you can't do that anymore. So it's no wonder she wasn't good at expressing them. She never had to. Yeah. Well, and I don't know. I'm not very good at dealing with my emotions either. I tend to like put them off and especially emotions that I perceive as negative, you know, like Mm -hmm. anger, fear, sadness, those tend to be the emotions that I put off processing. And I I think that's a fairly common thing for people. Yeah. I think more women, and I know that sounds very sexist, but we're almost expected to stay strong all the time. Yep. So, you know, we have those emotions come forward and it's like, no, I'm going to push them away. I'm going to do what I have to do right now. And I'll come back to those at a later date. That doesn't always work. You know? Yeah, that's why... Sabine, not to change the subject to Star Wars, but that's why, like, Sabine Wren is my favorite character, is because, like, she has this moment where she has to confront her past and her emotions about the past, and it's just so powerful to see such this, like, strong character who is we've seen her for three seasons, she's always super tough and never shows weakness to other people, and then you see she actually has all this deep-seated hurt, and you see her become that much stronger once she actually works through that and deals with those emotions it makes her that much better of a person right and i think i think though you know again you're you're talking about 
a bit older of a character than Hermione's 11 year old self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, it, it's, it's nice seeing an older character, someone older than 11 being able to process through that. You know, when we first meet Hermione, she is a very young child who has suddenly gone from being an only child. And if she's mad, she can just walk off. If she's sad, she can go to her room, shut the door. Um, I don't know if, if you ever did this, Retta. There were a few times in my childhood where people would be like, oh, do you want to come over? And I would be like, yeah, let me ask my mom. I'd hit the mute button on my phone. Be like, mom, can you tell, them, tell me I'm grounded? Like, can you make a big, loud announcement? No, I told you, you're not going anywhere this weekend. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, and I was overwhelmed. Um, and I just, I couldn't handle any more anything going on. So I was able to shut myself away. Yep. And I'm sure Hermione had the same thing. Yep. Um, and then all of a sudden you have to deal with your emotions. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take, I'll take a rain check on that. Thanks very much. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Not gonna, nah. Who needs to do that? So, you know, and, and I think, again, that is also a part of the reason she had a problem casting a Patronus. So, but, you know, we talk about, <clears throat> um, going back to Harry here, you know, the thought of his parents was enough to cast that Patronus for the first time with Lupin. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, thinking it was his dad. Uh, but then, you know, okay, let's, let's go to the movie here. He's like, no, I know my dad will be here. He'll be here any minute. Like I saw him because it's Mm -hmm. the stag Patronus, but then it's also that sense of, I have to do it. My dad's not showing up. I don't know where he is. I have to do it. I have to save myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in Deathly Hallows, it's. Ron and Hermione. Which is interesting because like we, like you were mentioning before, you know, like it's not necessarily you think of your entire wedding. It would be like the moment you said I do. When he's in the Ministry of Magic and trying to escape at the beginning of Deathly Hollows, like he just thinks of Ron and Hermione's faces and that is enough for him to connect the happiness that he feels when he's with them then is powerful enough to cast that charm. It's not even a specific moment with them or, you know, any particular task that they've done or any particular memory. It's just the thought of his friends and how he feels when he's spending time with them. That's enough for that charm. Right. And I th- I think that speaks to the power of friendship. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, okay, here here I go getting mushy, so deal with it, Rada. Sorry. <laughs> mushy here. But no, it's it's like when I talk about the podcast. Um and 
you know, other people have seen it, they've made comments, I start smiling the second I mention your name with it. It's you think about your friends. You know, and it doesn't have to be one particular memory. It's the collective memories. Mm-hmm. And that can make you happy. Yeah. It's like, you this know, is how I felt with them in the past. And I know they're always going to be there for me. I know it's reliable that, like, when I interact with them again in the future, I'm going to feel that same way again. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So that is a very powerful, powerful thing. Um, I think that does also kind of speak to like, I don't know, speaking from my own personal experience when I was dealing with a lot of depression, my instinct was to hide from people and try to just not interact with my friends and the people that cared about me. And I think back to like, yeah, there were times I needed to be by myself. Yes. But also like I should have been relying on those other people more for support because that those friendships and that support are what make it easier to deal with mental health issues like that. Right. I, you're not wrong. Uh, sometimes, and it doesn't always feel like that. Um, and we'll, we'll get into that in just a little bit because that's going to go into um, the different types of depression. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute because you made some really good points right there. Um, how would you say that the Dementors or the Patronuses and all that compares to fighting depression in real life? I think there are a lot of similarities, but it can also be very different. I mean, just speaking to my own experiences, I know that there are times where, like, it does feel as sudden. Like, I can feel that just either, you know, that feeling that you're never going to be cheerful again and just complete lack of emotion. There are certain things that, like, trigger that emotional response in me. Um from time to time but also when I was struggling with depression more long term in that season there wasn't like a sudden like as if a dementor walked into the room it was just this constant feeling of it and so I think that's a big difference there yeah I I I agree um and that again will go into the the chronic versus situational I view the Dementors as a situational depression, mm-hmm. a good analogy for situational. Um, so I'm going to put a little personal information out there about me. I suffer from depression. I do not suffer from situational. I suffer from chronic. Um, I am 46 and I've been on depression medication since I was 18. Um, the Dementors don't hit strong with me because I don't know what it's like to suddenly feel that. Mm. I don't suddenly just be like, oh gosh, everything's falling apart. Without my medication, <laughs> that's, the, that's the constant. <laughs> it's like living in Azkaban, pretty much. Yeah. You know, you're, you're so used to the Dementors at that point, you've named them. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, Steve. How's it going today? Oh, hey, Bob. You're over there in the corner. Cool. Talk to you soon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think the Patronus is, it's like when you have the situational depression, I think it's the Patronus is a good way of looking at looking for the light in your life at that point. Yeah. And find, using the light. The thing. And using that light to get rid of that darkness. Yeah. So depression is is shown quite a bit in the Harry Potter world. So we've got characters like Snape who had chronic debilitating depression. And I'm everyone knows me. I am a <laughs> definitely 100% team Snape. I don't think that was an excuse to act like he did, but part of me thinks it was a defense mechanism. Mm. You've been hurt so many times and you're constantly hurting. You're constantly in emotional pain. That sometimes forcing others out means they can't hurt you anymore. Yeah. You know, then we have a good case of situational depression with Tonks and Lupin. Yeah. And actually, I would I would argue that Lupin's is more of a chronic as well. Maybe not, not maybe, definitely not to the extent Severus's was. Yeah. But definitely depressed. Mm-hmm. Even the way he carries himself is depressed. Yeah. Um. He. Yes, we know he's poor. Okay. He has enough friends who have money that know his situation that if he had said, I need help, they would have helped get him new clothes, get him new stuff. Hey, I just landed this job at Hogwarts. This isn't a give me, this is a loan. Help me out. I mean, Kingsley was very well-dressed wizard. Okay. Kingsley probably would have given him money. Um, but I think he, the depression, he wore it on the outside as well with how he carried himself. And then we have Tonks, who her Patronus changes, her hair goes to a mousy gray. She's very much depressed when Lupin is rejecting her. Yeah. Yeah. You really see the effects of it on her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And being rejected by 
another person, whether it be romantic or friendship-wise, is very, very difficult. Especially given that this is around the same time that, like, she was enough in love with him that it changed her Patronus. And, like, for something to change your Patronus, it has to, like, have a huge impact on your life. Mm-hmm. Like, for her Patronus to have, you know, it's described, Harry mistakes it for Sirius because it's, like, you know, he describes it as a big animal on all fours and he thinks that it's some sort of dog. Like, you know, it's kind of the same as, like, James and Lily. Like, James's Patronus in Animagus form was a stag and Lily's, to complement that, changed to a doe. Right. And it, it just speaks to the depth of, of an emotional connection that's made there. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, Patronuses can change. It, I don't remember, other than Tonks, if we had anyone else's change. Uh, there's a theory that James's had changed once he was able to become an, become an animagus. Though we're not for certain. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, t- you were talking about Tonks and it... it looking like uh, Sirius's animagus forms at first. Of course, you know, that would be the assumption, especially because she she was close to her cousin. Yeah. Um, and again, anyone who has not read the books, um, Tonks and Sirius were not just passing cousins like you see in the movies. I don't know if the movies show them like even conversing at all. No, they they're in the same room, and that's about it. Um, you've got to remember, like we've talked about in the episode of the mysterious Mister Black, Tonks's mother was Sirius's favorite cousin. It's also his only relative he talks to after he's kind of kicked out of the family. Yeah. Because you have the two that are, are no longer welcome. Of course he's going to be close to Andromeda. Yeah. Which means, of course, he's close to Tonks. Because I mean, you can't tell me that the minute she had Tonks, he wasn't sitting there going, oh, I have a baby cousin to spoil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is the closest thing I'm going to get to a niece or a nephew. So, and of course, she's older than Harry. Okay. So this is the first time he's been around a baby. So he doesn't even have a godchild to spoil yet. You yeah. know that man is sitting there going, okay, Tonk, so I'm going to teach you all these things you shouldn't do because that's what I'm for. Because there was about 13 years difference, right? Because mm-hmm. she was 13 years younger than Lupin and Sirius and Lupin are the same age. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's he's got this... Well, I'm sure he didn't see her then as a baby with the age difference because Andromeda is not welcome around. Then again, he might have because any way he can piss off his family. And if that means going and seeing Andromeda. Yeah. He's like, oh, sorry, I was over at uh, Cousin Andromeda's house. What were you doing there? Don't ask. Um, (laughs) Then, of course, as she Tonks grows older. 
and you know he's then later living with James he's probably got more freedom to go see them yeah like you said especially once he's kicked out of the house like that is the only blood family that he has left that would actually be interested in having any sort of conversation or relationship with him and you know Andromeda this is my own headcanon here I'm pretty sure Andromeda probably did say hey do you want to come live with us but you know let me go live with my cousin and her kid or my best friend yeah I'm gonna go live with my best friend (laughs) like I mean no, no doubt about it um so I see them being close. So of course when her Patronus changes every changes, everyone's like, Oh, it's because of Sirius. Oh poor Tonks. Yeah. Now I'm curious, what are your thoughts? Do you think I guess just your thoughts on Snape's Patronus being a doe, and we know that that's because Lily's Patronus was a doe, and Lily's Patronus was a doe because James's was a stag. So do you think Snape's Patronus underwent a change? Yes. And what are your thoughts on that whole situation? I don't believe that after a long time he was still in love with Lily. I, I don't you can have someone from your past that you will always love but love and being in love are different things mm-hmm. um, I am not close to a former best friend anymore I will love her though till the day I die mm-hmm. um, does that mean our relationship is what it was no so I think, again, this is someone who had been his best friend, who he did fall in love with. I think he was no longer in love with her. That is just my personal opinion. But I think it stayed a doe because of the guilt. Mm. And it was almost his own way of tormenting himself and holding himself responsible. Which is interesting that, like, Fueled by a happy memory, but also by that guilt at the same time. So, you know, I I picked up that book on uh, Snape, a definitive analysis of um, Hogwarts Mysterious Potions Master. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the record, audience, um, I am going to be emailing this woman because she is absolutely brilliant. Um, she also only lives two and a half hours from me. Um, but I am going to get permission to quote more and more things from her book because she, you know, I'm going to give you a little quote here. Um, but I, I really want blanket approval to keep quoting from her. Um, but this is, I'm just going to read this whole paragraph. It's not a very long one. Uh, But just pay attention to the end of it, because this is sad. And for someone like this to still be able to conjure a Patronus is, yeah. Um, 
Okay. Is he a classroom bully? Without a doubt. He can be unfair, petty, mocking, bro uh, prone to blatant favoritism, many of the traits school children loathe most. But underneath his scathing surface is someone who cares desperately, enough to devote his adult life to protecting everyone in his world, even though he dislikes. And he does this all undercover, pretending to be evil, accepting that he will live and die without the chance to defend himself and clear his name. I think she's right. He knew he wasn't going to make it out. So all of that, and you can still conjure a Patronus? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot of emotional maturity. Mm -hmm. For all of his immature moments that I just want to smack him upside the back of the head and then kiss the back of his head and go, okay, I forgive you. Um, <laughs> I had to get the eye roll out of you once tonight. It, it, yeah, it had to happen. Um, to know you're going to die, but to be able to sit there and say, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But again, that's a good analogy of chronic depression. You know it could take you. But you can sometimes hang on to something that will make you smile. Yeah. Yeah, finding the things that are worth living for, worth fighting for, worth continuing on for, I think is a big part of that. Or at least it was for me when I was in that season of depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and everyone's different. Let, let's put that out there. Everyone is different. Not everyone handles depression, whether it be chronic or situational, the same. What works for Retta might not work for everyone else. What works for me might not work for everyone else. What works for Retta might not work for me and vice versa. Um... Yeah, we're not doctors or psychologists. We're just speaking to our own experience here. Right. Um, you know, but that brings another point into play. Bullying has the potential to lead to depression. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, I'm going to say it. Look at what happened with Snape. I mean, granted, he already had a crappy home life to begin with. Okay. Could his life have turned out different if he had not been bullied at school? I, be I believe it could have. If the houses weren't so divided. And James, Sirius, Peter... Uh, and Lupin had all said, you know what? Hey, we don't care about Gryffindors versus Slytherins. We're going to be this kid's friend. Or at least be civil and just ignore him instead of intentionally tormenting him. Right. But we'll, or we're just, you know what? We're not even going to ignore him. We'll, we'll just be nice. We're not going to be his friend. We're not going to sit at the lunch table with him. But we're going to say hello to him and be decent human beings, how much different would his life have turned out? 
it it just makes me wonder how differently life in general would be for not only just these characters but for people in general because like I was bullied a lot as a kid and I know that really shaped who I am as a person that's part of why kindness and respect are so important to me is because I know what it feels like to be treated unkindly and disrespectfully and I don't want other people to feel that way because I know how awful it is and so that's why it's such a priority to me to make sure that I'm being intentional about treating others with the kindness and respect. Right, and this is something Red and I talked about, you know, be, before we started recording tonight. You don't always have to understand everyone. You don't have to always agree with everyone. But don't be hurtful. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, and again, something else we, we talked about, too. And I, I love that. Reddit. I love the hand motions you made with that. That was great, by the way. Um, I, I had this talk with my 18-year-old. as She's complaining about her sister today. And she's just, she's being very honest. And I've always encouraged my kids to be blatantly honest. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. Don't lie. You know, if you're not ready to talk about it, that's one thing. I will respect that I don't want to talk about it versus lying to me about it. Um, but some of her comments were very hurtful. And she said them to me about her sister, not to her sister, thankfully. But it boiled down to, you know, what is the better option? Being honest and hurting someone or being nice and kind of, you know, at least being respectful. Um, and her first answer was honesty. And I'm like, no, how about we, we be nice? How about we, we be a good person? Um, I think if we, we take that moment, even to people you don't like. And a lot of people, you know what? Have you heard that people, Retta, the older you get, though, people go, oh, well, that's being two-faced. No, it's not. There, There's a difference between choosing kind words and being two-faced. Like, if somebody truly looks awful and is asking for your honest opinion, and, you know, you're pulling a Regina George and you're like, oh my gosh, I love that skirt. Where did you get it? And then the second that they turn away, you're like, that is the ugliest effing skirt I've ever seen. That's being two-faced. Being kind and diplomatic when you know they feel good about it and you're like, hey, maybe it's not my taste, but if you like it and you feel good in it, I'm not going to judge you for it. That's not being two-faced. And there are ways to phrase it. Like, you look so happy when you wear that. Yeah. Because you're not lying. They look happy. Yeah. You know. And again, before anyone goes, well, I'm not going to be nice to this person because I don't like them. Okay. There's a difference between being nice and kind versus, you know, I'm not asking that person out for drinks. I'm not saying, hey, let's go out and hang out. Just basic human decency. Right. Now me talking trash about them to Retta on the phone and then telling Retta I went for drinks with that person, that would be two-faced. Yeah. 
but being polite to them and not killing them, that's not being two-faced. <laughs> and Red is just like, well, you know. <laughs> I made her speechless. You can still be kind to people without having to be friends with them. That is what I will say about it. Um, yes, when people continue to be disrespectful or unkind or just doing the things that mean that you don't like them as a person, like, it's okay to cut them off. Um, it just, it just, you can still treat them with kindness and politeness even if you don't like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. You know, one of the things, and <sighs> Red and I were going to talk about this, was lack of care in the wizarding world. And we have a big problem with the lack of mental health care in the wizarding world. Yeah. And you know what? Retta? I broke my cardinal rule. Uh-oh. I forgot when Harry Potter took place. In the 90s? 80s and 90s. And that, well, and if we're going to go back into the whole thing with the Marauders, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, and I, I blamed J.K. Rowling so much for not putting it in there. How dare she not put it in there? And this person needed this service and that person needed that service. But you know what? It's almost a good thing she didn't because it really was not, I wouldn't say it wasn't taken seriously, but it was almost a taboo topic back then. Yeah, it barely existed in the muggle world. And so knowing that the wizarding world is generally a little bit behind the times with muggle things like this, it makes sense that they would be behind with that and that those services wouldn't have existed Right. I mean, I I went on Zoloft in 96. That's when I first started it. And I remember talking to some friends about it and they were like, oh my gosh, you're on an antidepressant? I've never known anyone on an antidepressant. Are you going to be okay? Now um, that I'm on the medication that helps my brain make the chemicals it should, then yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I will be. Um, okay. Um, like, what kind of question is that? Um, but really, like you said, the, the Western world was so behind. Yeah. I'm like, needing medication does not mean that you are weak. No, no, no. In fact, admitting you need medication is strong because so many people refuse the help. They, they know that there's something wrong. 
but it's always, I can beat it. I don't need anything to beat it. Yeah. It takes um, strength to admit when you need help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think the wizarding world, I mean, but here's the thing. Therapy was at least available, if not the medication, the therapy was available in the 80s and 90s. That much I remember. I saw a therapist when I was young. I saw one after my parents split up. So the therapy was there. The wizarding world just... Well, heck, even after the Deathly Hallows, they didn't have it in place. Yeah. And it amazes me... I was thinking about this when we were talking earlier... A world where you break your arm, we can regrow the bones with Skelligro. But we don't have a potion to help with a broken mind. Didn't they have, like, they had, like, a cheering charm? Yeah. Do you think something like that would have helped with mental health issues? No. Okay. What's your reasoning for that? Uh, a charm is a superficial... Uh, almost like a placebo. You know, when we're talking about, let's say, depression... Which, if we're talking chronic depression, uh, two of the biggest main causes are either your brain produces enough serotonin, but your receptors aren't absorbing it the right way, or your receptors are fine, you're just not producing enough. Mm -hmm. So that would be more potion work. Mm. Something to go inside the body and, and, and kind of readjust. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, which Lupin actually had the right idea with the chocolate. Mm hmm Because dark chocolate, especially, is scientifically proven to boost serotonin. So, Lupin handing out chocolate? He was actually ahead of his time with that. Finally, a defense against the dark arts professor that knows his remedies. <laughs> he should have been a healer. <laughs> Look, can you imagine, and funny note on this, can you imagine, though, how many witches or wizards would have lined up for medication if it was chocolate? <laughs> you know, I love that meme that's like, Whenever I'm sad, Lupin's words of wisdom come to me. And it's just like the meme of him being like, eat, you'll feel better. <laughs> well, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. The amount of times in a day that I need somebody to say that to me so that I remember to eat. Do I need to program my text messages to send that to you periodically throughout the day? <laughs> I, yeah, probably. I just forget. <laughs> I get distracted. 
says the diabetic. When my blood sugar is low, then I eat something because my phone yells at me to eat. But, you know. So, you know there's a way to prevent your blood sugar from getting low in the first place. It's called food. Sometimes. Sometimes I... Yeah, there there's a lot of factors that can make your blood sugar low. At least for me, there's like yes. a, yeah, over a hundred different things that can influence your my blood sugar. Yes, but do you know that it can also be somewhat prevented by eating normal meals? Did you know that's a thing? <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, I'm gonna program my phone to have loop and just send you messages. <laughs> Eat, you'll feel better. I'm doing it, I swear. <laughs> but it, do you think, okay, so, because you have at least admitted this about Snape, that he was one of the most brilliant potions masters out there. Yes. Do you think he could have created a potion to help with depression? I think that's totally reasonable, especially given how familiar of an issue it was to him. Like, I would think he would know what potion ingredients and stuff would have worked to combat that. You know? It's not like he was trying to solve a problem he was unfamiliar with. This is, you know, both the problem, depression, and the potential solution. Potions are things that he's very deeply familiar with. I think it's definitely within the realm of possibility that he could have. Okay. Now, do you think that part of the reason he, and I've wondered this, if part of the reason he didn't was because he was so busy. He had four jobs at one point. I think busyness could be a factor. I think the fact that part of his depression was fueled by guilt, he might have also felt like he didn't deserve reprieve. But he always looked out for other people, it seemed. Except for Neville, but... Except for Neville. (laughs) But but no, I'm talking like when it came to potions and stuff. You know, yeah. like it said in, the, in, the, in that book, um, and that was actually from Lupin in the book, though, where Lupin says, if Snape really wanted to mess with me, he could have messed with my potion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Snape didn't even like Lupin, but he brewed the potion he needed. Yeah. You know, he made potions all the time for others and I'm pretty sure that any of the potions that were in the infirmary at Hogwarts were probably made by Snape that would make sense I mean maybe not the Skelligro that seemed to be a very blanket (laughs) commercially available (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah it marketed to mothers of all boys um Molly Weasley probably had tons in her uh, medicine cabinet in the borough. Um, but the rest, you know, like a headache potion or a potion for an upset stomach, those were probably all brewed by him. 
Yeah, I'm almost wondering if part of the reason he didn't make it is maybe he didn't, like, they didn't have the words for the diagnosis, and so when you're not able to, like, clearly identify the problem, then you're not able to come up with the solution. Like, you know, the treatment for diabetes, for type 1 diabetes is taking insulin, they didn't know to make insulin until they were able to identify, like, okay, it's the beta cells in the pancreas that, you know, decided to quit and give up on life. Because of that, we know that this hormone insulin is lacking. Therefore, the treatment is to create a synthetic form of insulin that diabetics can then inject. Do you think him not having the formal words of depression or understanding that that was what was it was that was lacking do you think that's part of why he didn't try to make that potion or maybe you know okay so depression the, the those terms were out there and they've been out there forever but not knowing what it was not knowing that it was serotonin related could easily be why he didn't he didn't know what he was trying to fix yeah cuz again that like yeah. You know, when they were researching, you know, how do we treat or cure diabetes, you know, they would, like, try, like, feeding people, like, ground-up pancreases or even, like, taking insulin orally. It wasn't until they actually identified exactly what caused the problem that they were able to come up with the solution that met it exactly where it was and was effective. Right. So I'm wondering if that's the the piece of the puzzle here that we're missing, maybe. Very well could be. So, um, <clears throat> wow, this was a, a lot deeper dive than I thought we'd get into this today, to be, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... There's a lot more to mental health than what we've just covered. Um, we're going to, you know, mental health doesn't only cover depression. Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it. Yes. Um, there's so many things out there that we know now. Um, and we'll be talking about some of the positives in the wizarding world too, because there were some positives. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be talking about those. Well, we this will be an ongoing <laughs> series with yeah. mental health. Um, we'll be doing some more deep dives. Like we'll be talking about Fred and George and their joke shop. Mm. Um, you know, some of their items Retta had mentioned uh, in our notes, they were joke items, but they became very useful items. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. And that has to do with mental health, too. Um, we'll take a, a deeper look into Dementors as well. You know, we talked mainly about um, 
you know, the brief effects of them and, and, and depression, but we'll be talking about how they made the other, all the characters feel because Harry does quote a lot of stuff about Dementors in there. Yeah. Well, and we see firsthand, like it affects him way worse than other people, which is partially because like Lupin says, Harry's had a much more traumatic past than most of his classmates but I also like the theory that it affects him worse because he also has that bit of Voldemort's soul in him as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then there's, we'll talk- there's a whole lot more to unpack. Then we'll talk about the Boggards, too. Mm. Because those play on your fears, and fear is a big mental health issue as well. And like Retta mentioned you know, in last week's episode, um, Mrs. Weasley's boggart. Yeah. Because it has nothing to do with her and has everything to do with her family. Yep. So, and, you know, we'll talk about some happy things with it, like some of the, the good family dynamics and how that helped. Because, you know, mental health isn't always about the negative sometimes it's about the positives yeah so we'll talk about like the weasleys and the positive impact they had on harry's mental health yep so and we do want to mention like if you or somebody you know is struggling like get help um Depression is not an easy thing, and it's not something that anybody should have to go through alone. And we'll we'll link some resources in the show notes. And um, yeah, it's just important for you to know that you're not alone. Like, reach out, find support, find help. Right. There is a national helpline. I'm going to go ahead. We will link the number to that. But for those of you in the United States, um, the phone number is 1-800-662-HELP. So that's 1-800-662-4357. So, you know, don't think you have to do it on your own. And I, you know, the, the good thing and the bad thing about this right now is that we have gained so many listeners in so many different countries. Uh, and I, I wish I could think of all the national helplines out there for every country. But honestly, at this point, um, we've been so blessed to have so many followers from so many countries. We're looking at 17 different countries which is just insane right so um yeah (laughs) that's absolutely insane uh how many countries uh so you know if, if i can find them all i will we will put them up somewhere we need a web page retta We've got our link tree, but... We need a web page. We need a lot of things. <laughs> I need chocolate. We're talking about chocolate. 
Yes, I need that too. That comes in the form of, that comes in the form of Snape. And my Snape plushie, which is upstairs, darn it. I couldn't torment you with it for an entire episode. Gee darn. <laughs> so putting that on your bed at LeakyCon, I swear. I cannot make any promises about what condition it will be returned to you if I find it on my bed. You wouldn't hurt the plushie, would you? Wouldn't I? <gasps> no, you wouldn't do that to me. You may want to, but you would not hurt me like that. See? Because that's what a good friend you are. Mm-hmm. We'll see how Slytherin I'm feeling. That goes into our question from Lucy. But Montana, because <laughs> I know you're listening to this episode, do you hear this? She is threatening the wonderful Snape plushie. That you got me. I didn't make any threats. I just said I couldn't make any promises. Montana, I hope you're really listening to this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. So on to the Quizzler on a happier note. Yes. All right, so my question for you this week, what do you think your Patronus memory would be? Ooh. How? Um. I don't, I don't know. That the happiest memory. Oh, like what are some things that come to mind? My high school graduation. Because yeah. I didn't think I was going to graduate. Oh. Uh, no, that that was the year I was diagnosed with depression. Mm. And I was out of school for two weeks. Zoloft was brand new on the mo- uh, market. And with the other medications I was on uh, for other chronic health issues um they had to put me in the hospital to make sure i didn't have any bad reactions because again you know you've got something brand new on the market um some of my teachers decided to give me bad grades for the two weeks i was out instead of listening to my principal who defended me i had mr porter was the greatest principal in the entire universe (laughs) and i am actually friends with him on facebook it's great that man remembers me um But I, there was a chance I was not going to graduate and Mr. Porter and my guidance counselor, it became between them and one of my teachers and they both fought tooth and nail to make sure that I graduated. That's awesome. So finding out I was going to graduate, that was that. And then I have a bittersweet moment if we're going from what you know like, like harry's memory it's it's bittersweet mm-hmm. um <clears throat> so my mama uh technically my stepmother when she was passing away uh she had stomach cancer she was on hospice and the last phone call i had from her she told me she loved me 
those were her last words to me. And uh, the, the exact words were, I love you, Mija, which means I love you, my, my daughter. So, yeah, I think that that's a very bittersweet, but that's a, it's a happy memory. So, yeah. So I, I think that one may be more than the high school one now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. So what, what about for you? The first thing that comes to mind is from the end of my junior year of college because um, they had announced that the college I was attending at the time was going to close at the end of the school year. Um, and I was on the basketball team and long story short, basically it was our last home game and we were playing a school that was kind of like our rivals in a way. And the first time that we had played them that season on their home court, um, I think we won, but it was only by like 10 points and it was a pretty close game for most of the game. And then when we played them at home, like the entire school showed up because it was our school's very last home athletic event and everybody wore our school color of blue and the crowd was so into the game and we ended up winning by like 30 points and toward the end of the game you know the crowd started like chanting and then once the game was over like all of the crowd the students came over and like stormed our bench and we were all just like jumping up and down and so excited and so happy together and it it just makes me feel so happy thinking about the way that we felt it that day and like I don't know. It felt kind of like we were in a sports movie. Like it was just a regular season game. It wasn't postseason or a championship or anything like that. But it really meant a lot to us mm-hmm. and to the other students. Mm-hmm. So either that or like just recently when I was able to try on my complete set of Mandalorian armor for the first time. Because. Like, A, I've been working on this armor for, like, six months now. So a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of resources and blood, sweat, and tears have gone into this. Um, But also the way that I feel in it because of what it is. Because I see these Mandalorians on screen, you know, Bo-Katan and Sabine Wren and Din Djarin. These characters that are just fantastic and badass. And feeling the way that I do when I see them, but getting to wear it for myself and putting myself into their shoes and feeling like I can do whatever they can do. It just, Oh my gosh. I, I don't, I wish I could just live in my armor all the time. I love it. (laughs) So those are my two. (laughs) I think it would be one of those things. This hasn't happened yet, but my answer could change by the time leaky con comes around. If, if I get my wish, um, Look, we all know I love Snape. We all know I love Alan Rickman. My favorite actor of all time, though, is Tim Curry. Mm. And I wanted to go see him at at an event in Washington, D.C. called AwesomeCon. And AwesomeCon goes on every year. It's a huge deal in the D.C. area. And I was going to go, and I backed out last minute because he canceled. 
he is going to be at a Comic-Con in New York. And I am trying to drag my husband up there to go with me to New York to meet Tim Curry, which Tim Curry has had a stroke. So he's not, his speech is definitely very slurred. Anyone who watched the remake of Rocky Horror Picture Show has seen him. But just, I just want to be able to walk up to him and say, thank you. (laughs) I know he is not a big fan of his movie Clue. I am a huge fan of that movie. I've got almost every line memorized. So I just want to be able to go, thank you for making my favorite movie. You know, uh, no matter what you think of it. I think it's amazing. His his dry wit, his humor, and <clears throat> that's all I want. I just want to be able to go up and say thank you to him. And if I can do that, I my whole Patronus image will change, <laughs> or my reason for the Patronus. So, so, yeah. <sighs> Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> all right. So my question to you, and we've both taken the Patronus quiz on wizarding world if you could pick your patronus though any patronus any animal what would you pick and why i'm kind of torn on this because i do really love the night jar result that i got because it's this adorable little bird that like it's feathers and markings it looks like a little baby dragon like they're so mm. cute like audience if you don't know what they look like just google it just google like nightjar bird they're adorable <laughs> and i love that they're like tiny and cute but also look fearsome and like a dragon um but also i really like penguins like they're just so stinking cute and like, I love going to the Omaha Zoo and their penguin enclosure because they've got them, like, waddling around on the rocks and you can see them, like, <laughs> swimming and diving around. And, like, my nickname in high school was Penguin. Um, that's a long story for another time. But, <laughs> like, if I had to change it from a night jar, I think it would be a penguin. Because I just, they're adorable and they're clumsy, like me. <laughs> I am going to tell my daughter Keelan that because that is her favorite um, absolute favorite animal. She needs to go to the Omaha Zoo then. <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know if she'd go all the way there for a penguin. She did get one of those cute little uh, bracelets uh that comes with an app where you can track your own personal penguin. And she's got a penguin with a little tracker on it. And she gets to see where her penguins spend every day. And you should see it because she'll come out and she'll be like, I, I can't remember her penguin's name. Her penguin has a name. And um, she'll be like, I don't know what so-and-so is up to today, but he swam all the way over here just to swim all the way over there, just to swim back over there. What is he doing? And I'm just like, oh, it's like the cutest thing. That's adorable. So, mine would be if I could pick any, it would be a cheetah. That fits. 
Really? Yes. Uh, okay. okay. Do you, do you want to explain first or do you want me to explain first? I would like to hear this from you. Okay, so cheetahs are like majestic in their own way and like like they're different from other wild cats and like like they're ferocious but they're also like, cute isn't the right word. Like they're beautiful. And you just have a very majestic and beautiful spirit about you. But also fearsome and like will bite you. <laughs> I'm very nice until you anger me and then I'm going to rip your head off. Is that what you're saying? Speaking of the your Slytherin is showing. Um <laughs> I love cheetahs. There's something about that big cat that is always just called to me. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more of a cat person than I am a dog person. Um, don't get me wrong. I love dogs. But something about cats. Um, and the big cats. Um, now, I told you this. You only know this story because of the Gryffindor er, meetup. Um, one of the questions at the Get to Know You Bingo was, have you ever met a real lion? And <laughs> for me, yes. Uh, when we were living in Germany, my parents took me to the zoo um, I don't even, I, I think it was the one in Berlin. I don't remember. Um, I just know I wanted the kitty cat. <laughs> of course you did. And the cat could get pretty close up to where we were. And I wanted the kitty cat. And my poor mom, not understanding much German, looks at my dad and goes, what does she want? He goes, she wants the cat. Mm. So I've always had to think for big cats. But the cheetah is just very... Like you said, she's friendly. But also but will fight also... you. Uh-huh, she'll also fight you. Fearsome when needed, but happy to just sit there and be majestic, too. Or sit there in the sun and just sit on a rock and soak up the sun and go, okay, this is life. I'm just going to be lazy today. Yes. But the cheetah also uses its strengths to get ahead. Mm-hmm. So I like that about the cheetah. Mm-hmm. So, so there we go. All right. Are we on voicemails then? Right. Oh, we are. Voicemails and shout outs. Oh, I know. All right. So quick shout outs here. I have two more coworkers listening to the podcast. Ben, who his girlfriend, Sarah, is another coworker of mine, and she already listens. Um, so... I happened to ask Ben, I said, oh, do you like Harry Potter? He said, yeah. I was like, so wait a minute, your girlfriend listens to our podcast and you don't? He goes, you have a podcast? Yeah. So once again, see, I don't know how people miss this. Um, so Ben subscribed and then my coworker, Izzy, 
who I will say last year could not understand me being into Harry Potter. She has now watched all but the eighth movie and understands why I love Harry Potter. Why hasn't she seen the eighth movie? She She's working on it. Okay. I thought she's, she, like, stopped halfway through, you know, just, like, no, watched no, seven no. and stopped. And I'm like, what? But, d- no. <laughs> no. No. She, she's in the process. Um, so she's like, oh, you have a Harry Potter podcast? What's its name? And I'm like, okay, get out your phone, pull up Spotify. And she does it real quick and just th- shoves her phone in my hands. And I'm like, okay, pulling it up. Now and she goes, oh, what episodes do you have? And she's like, show me how to use this. <laughs> yeah. We're on 25 <gasps> episodes now, which is crazy. I know. Her enthusiasm, though, just made me completely smile. So to Ben and Izzy, thank you guys for giving us a shot. Uh, hopefully you stick around and listen to all the episodes. Unlike Montana, who still is stuck on like three four back yeah some of them are a bit lengthy we can be very long-winded look (laughs) she liked the longer episodes after she got used to them so it's kind of her own fault i blame her (laughs) all right uh so we have two voicemails from lucy we also have a a comment from lucy you want to start with the comment there uh yeah so last episode i meant to put our quizler questions to the audience and she didn't was arguing with me so i just put up the default question of what did you think of this episode um, and Lucy was like, such a fun one. It completely embodies the tone of the podcast and is full of Michelleisms and Reddit-isms. I'm a big fan of Would You Rathers and would love to see more episodes like this. <laughs> I can think of some very Slytherin-esque questions for those. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. On to our smells from Lucy. Hi everyone, it's Lucy back after a long period of being too busy with my school musical to send in a voicemail. I have loved your latest episodes, as always, particularly your Would You Rather episode, which just showcased all of the Gryffindor chaos and both your personalities so well. It's not wrong. Also, funny story, I left that one Apple podcast review for you just after I found out from Retta about the podcast way back in January. Zippy Zebra the Great is my username, which just goes to show that you shouldn't let people choose their usernames when they're 11. (laughs) I have a question for you. We all know that your Gryffindor and Slytherin sides pop out at different points, but I'm wondering, is there any rhyme or reason to when each side chose? Does it just depend on the day? Or are there situations that just trigger one house or the other? I'll be back momentarily with my next voicemail. Hi again, still Lucy. I have a very exciting update. I finished knitting my Ravenclaw scarf. Overall, I am very happy with it, and I can't wait to wear it in the winter. (laughs) In five months from now, when it's actually cold enough to wear... Oh, well... 
Anyway, I wanted to answer your Quizzler that you gave listeners last episode. I would rather fly on a broom than use flu powder because I've just always dreamed about being able to fly. And it sounds like so much fun when you get the hang of it. And I would rather listen to the fat lady sing opera than to hear Trelawney's future predictions. I feel like Trelawney would try to interact with you and force you to believe her. Whereas the fat lady just sort of ignores you. And I'm better at tuning out extraneous noise than I am at people talking at me. (laughs) I hope you have a great week, and I will actually see you soon. Thanks. Thank Thank you, Lucy. Lucy. (laughs) Her voicemails always make me smile. She's so efficient at talking. I feel like I try to leave a voicemail, and I'm like, uh, uh, and I never actually get to the point. She gets to the point. And it's very nice. <laughs> so you're saying your voicemail sounds like your phone calls? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so Lucy, to answer your question, Michelle Slytherin's side comes out when she wants to make fun of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. <sighs> you're not um, wrong. <laughs> You want to answer this, though? (laughs) Yeah, okay. So, for me, I think my default is more of the Gryffindor side of, like, the bravery, the courage, being adventurous, loyalty. Those sort of things are kind of my default. And then the Slytherin just... I don't know if there's any apparent rhyme or reason for it for me. It just sort of happens sometimes... And usually, unpredictably, like, it just, one of those word vomit things that just comes out of my mouth. Michelle, you look like you have some things you would like to inject here. When you get highly mad at people. Oh, yeah. Your Slytherin (laughs) comes slithering out in full force. That snake doesn't just, like... Uh, you know slowly slither through oh no that thing is like bolting (laughs) yeah Yeah. I've heard you when you you've you've called me what help me hide a body (laughs) Um, (laughs) sure I couldn't be to Denver in like six hours four hours (laughs) what's the time difference sure I'm good yep um yeah yeah you're right about that (laughs) what about for you i start my days off gryffindor-esque now i don't have the sense of adventure that gryffindors normally do um I'm very apprehensive and I can put on a huge front of being boisterous, loud, eager to meet people, but that's the the industry I work in. I I have to be that way, whereas I usually... I'm very typical where I like to keep usually to like two or three people 
mm-hmm. and just hang with them and just kind of stay quieter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do have, you know, the, the sense of justice for the, as a Gryffindor does. Mm-hmm. We both do. <laughs> yep. Um, pretty brave. I think to, to do what I do and to put myself out there when that's not my natural persona is pretty brave. Um, my Slytherin side will come out three different ways. Like Retta said, picking on her, my Slytherin side just comes right out. I don't care. I'm gonna just... Yep. That's me poking the bear. Which is funny, because the bear's my Patronus. Um, (laughs) But of course, everything I pick on Retta about is is all done with love and respect. And if I thought I actually hurt her feelings, I would feel so horrible. I really would. There's the pre-existing relationship there, and we razz each other equally back and forth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you should hear some of the things Retta says to me. (laughs) (sighs) Dang. Um, But if it's someone I don't like, and this happened to me the other day, someone I don't like made a very sarcastic comment. And that Slytherin came right out to play. I was like, oh, you think you can be snarky? And <laughs> nah, I got something for you. Try this for snark. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, so my Slytherin side comes out with that. Or if I find someone being mean. If someone's being mean, my Slytherin side's like, oh, you think that's mean? No. Let me show you mean. You're a garden snake and I'm a king cobra. Better yet, I'm a basilisk. Let's try this. <laughs> um, you know, so that that's where my Slytherin sides come out. I, I think it's when I see that injustice mm. as well. Because mm-hmm. I think you're the same way. You see that injustice and your Gryffindor side's going, hmm, they don't want to listen to reason. How do I make this right? Let's let the snake out to play for a little bit. I realized the other time my Slytherin comes out is when I get determined to do things or like if something seems really daunting to me although I guess that's kind of Gryffindor with that as well but just like when somebody's like there's no way you could do that and I'm like watch me Mm -hmm. but I Mm -hmm. think a big thing for Gryffindor for both of us is like living with chronic health issues is not easy functioning in today's society with chronic health issues and doing all of the normal adult life responsibilities while also managing chronic health conditions requires a huge amount of bravery because there are times where I would rather just lay in bed and feel miserable and sorry for myself because I don't feel good than go out and do things but I have to suck it up and put on a brave face and just live my life in spite of my disability like and i see that in you too i think that's one of the things that we really connected on Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Because we had so many people, I think we've both had so many people tell us, oh no, you know, because of this disability or that disability, you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, watch me. And this is where, okay, Gryffindors are very stubborn creatures. (laughs) Yes, we are. (laughs) It is our middle name. So let's, this is also where my Gryffindor stubbornness comes out. So we all know when recording this Mysterious Mr. Black episode, um, there's at one point where Red and I paused the episode during our, our recording and I stood up, I believe I went into the kitchen to get something and I tore my meniscus. And later that night I was in the ER full brace from upper thigh to lower calf uh, leg immobilizers, actually, what it's called, and it was on crutches. Uh, and if anyone would like to see a picture of that, <laughs> it's great because I'm wearing a Slytherin shirt. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, I took a few days off, and one of the things the doctor said was because the the tear in the meniscus is more of a little shredding of individual areas instead of one giant tear that I need to keep moving it. So what do I do? I pick up as many shifts as humanly possible at work because I can do it and I'm going to work and nothing's going to stop me and I might get hurt back in the process, but I'm going to keep going and you can't make me stop. And my, my, my poor boss, Dantes, I would like everyone to raise your wands to that poor man because he really did try to give me off as much time in the beginning as possible so that I would be okay to come back to work. And my stubborn side went, nope, we're going to go back to work full force. And if we get hurt some more, oh, well. <laughs> All that to say. Thank you for the voicemails, Lucy. Congrats on finishing your Ravenclaw scarf and yeah, it's going to be too hot to wear it. <laughs> so, Lucy, uh, you know, well, you know what? We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <clears throat> but, Lucy, thank you for the voicemails. It's always great hearing from you. We both get so excited when you leave a voicemail. And you make us both smile a lot. Yes, we really appreciate the support. Yes. All right, guys, don't forget, we are on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. The link is in the show notes, as long as Retta remembers to update Instagram. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And if you want to be cool like Lucy and send us a voicemail, that link is also in our show notes. Uh, You can also send us an email. That's at gryffindorcommonroompod at gmail.com. Don't forget, we also have a P.O. Box now. It's P.O. Box 154, State Line, Pennsylvania, 17263. And like Lucy mentioned, that she's going to be seeing us real soon, next week, Lucy is our special guest. Uh, we're going to be discussing The Goblet of Fire, um, both the book and the movie, just kind of discussing some of the major themes in it. Um I think Goblet of Fire is a favorite for a lot of people. It's a very 
good, very action-packed book. I like that it gives us a broader view of the wizarding world in general, both from the Quidditch World Cup and the Triwizard Tournament. And so that's going to be a super great discussion. It would be great discussion anyway, but especially because Lucy's going to be there. Well, yeah. And Lucy, and this is what I was going to say earlier, but I didn't want to spoil it. I would like you to show us the scarf when you're on. Yes. I want to see the scarf. I want to see the scarf. And if I can find my Gryffindor scarf, I'll wear my Gryffindor scarf for it. I'll borrow one of Eileen's Hufflepuff ones and wear that. (laughs) Okay, I'm not a Hufflepuff. I can't even pretend to be a Hufflepuff. No. (laughs) Can't you see that is my secondary house? No, not even your third house. (laughs) Wow. Wait, you're saying I have a better chance of being in Ravenclaw than I do Hufflepuff? Yeah. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, thanks for joining us once again in the Gryffindor Common Room. I'm your host, Retta. And I'm your host, Michelle. Thanks for joining us, guys. 